What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Butcher Box. You know what I love? Meat. This should not shock anybody on this show. I love meat, and I love really good meat. More importantly, I really love really good meat. I don't go cheap on my meat because if you if you cheap out on your beef, it's just like ugh, it's gonna be so gross. Like the difference between good meat and bad meat is pretty enormous. Like it's better for you, it's better for the environment. You know, I love a ribeye steak, but I, I you know I do the reverse sear. It's delightful, but. It's got to be good, right? Not everyone has convenient access to high-quality meat. It can be hard to find. Like where I live, you go to, you know, wherever the grocery store, they've got the good stuff. But if you're in the middle of nowhere, if you're in a more rural area, man, especially a non-beef-producing rural area, it can be very hard. Very hard. But ButcherBox is here because everyone deserves good meat. ButcherBox, they just make meat show up at your door. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your door and mine. All meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones, and each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh, shipped frozen, and vacuum-sealed, so it stays that way. It goes right into my freezer and then into the sous vide or right on the grill once it's thawed out. Butcher Box, it's a total no-brainer. They got grass-fed beef, free-range chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. It's the way the meat should be. It's the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat. You get the highest quality meat sent to your door for around $6 a meal. So right now, ButcherBox is offering their new members two lobster tails and two filet mignons for free in their first box. That's two lobster tails and two filet mignons for free in your first box. Surf and turf for dinner, guys, at butcherbox.com tire. Free surf and turf, lobster tails, and filet mignons free in your first box at butcherbox.com tire. We're also brought to you by Off the Record. Guys, you might have a, a, an attorney in your pocket just for tickets, right? But that's local. You don't have that everywhere. What happens if you get yoinked somewhere far from home when you're on vacation or a road trip or if you work on the road? You need to have off the record because off the record, they help you all over the country. 90 plus percent coverage of America has off the record ready for you to get a ticket and call them, right? Off the record has a great success rate. They match you with qualified local attorneys wherever you are in the country. They helped my friend Dave Patterson, that dude in blue, get out of a biggin. And they have been my exclusive representation for some time now, helping me out, staying out of trouble here in my home city of Los Angeles. Off the Record has got a special deal for all smoking tire people. 10% off all legal services you book through Off the Record. And you don't need it now. Book, go to offtherecord.com slash TST, make an account, or download the Off the Record app and use code TST10. That 10% is good for three years. Guys, what are the odds that as a listener of this show, you will get a ticket between now and May of 2023? The odds are pretty good. Off the Record should be ready when that happens. That way, when you see those lights in your mirror, you're just like, eh. I got off the record. It's not going to be on my record. My insurance isn't going to go up. It's not going to be a problem. Exit that commercial ecosystem, guys. Offtherecord.com slash TST or code TST10 on the Off the Record app for iOS and Android. That's how you do it. All right. On this episode, speaking of going real fast, Jason Castriota is the uh, director of design for SSC, uh, that's Shelby Supercars. Their new car, the Tuatara, is now, I believe, officially uh, the fastest production car in the world. And uh, to exclusively talk about that with uh, the Smoking Tire, Jason Castriota is on the Smoking Tire podcast. Welcome uh, to the virtual show. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. I haven't talked to you uh, in I don't know a couple months. Uh, we go we go back to yeah. the the Greenwich, Connecticut days. The mean streets of Greenwich. The mean streets of Greenwich. And was it wasn't it your dad that had a like a super cool custom Ferrari that he used to cruise around in Greenwich? Yeah, he had. Well, he had a uh, a three fifty five. Right. The, that was actually a press car. 
So <laughs> crazy fast. And yeah. it was clearly tuned <laughs> up by the factory because we put it on a dyno and it had like 450 horsepower. Oh my God, that's so you know, awesome. How no lucky. I've ever saw horsepower like that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even believe them. And he used to get in arguments on Ferrari chat with people and he'd be like, all right. No, I remember because I remember being a kid and seeing your yeah. dad, you know, drive around and maybe young adult. And it was like when you were first yeah. starting to get well known for your yeah. design work. And I'd see that car and, and someone at like Miller Motor Cars was like, you know, that's Castriota's dad. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And it, and, it, and it was. It's so funny that it was a press car. How awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. It was really quick. <laughs> back at uh, back at Gotham Dream Cars, we had a, a Ferrari 360 as a rental car that mm -hmm. we swore was a press car because it was a very early Euro spec model that was in the yep. U.S. legally, and it yep. somehow was like faster than fucking everything. It was yeah. it was the yeah. it sounded like no other 360 on the world, and it was so juiced up. It was so hilarious. Back, back in the day, back in the day, the press cars were no joke. I mean, like, you remember when the Toyota Supra came out, and that back in the day and that thing was pulling crazy zero to 60 and you know oh, everyone dude. that drove that car said yeah that car had about 500 horsepower oh toyota was fucking juicing that one too toyota that's very that, funny yeah, that's, what that's what journalists said to me they're like oh, that car was so fast i <laughs> mean know? well who you know who would even if they even if a journalist put it on the dyno right then it would only boost for lack sorry about the pun it would only boost toyota's cause because now the customers think the car yeah. is underrated and not well, that a press car has been fucking given the kill tune yeah i mean that's yeah. what porsche runs so well right porsches every time you put them on a dyno they actually have more horsepower than they claim so yeah but doesn't I mean, that happen that happens with customer cars that's not just press yeah. cars yeah, customer yeah. cars do that yeah customer yeah they, they tend to be very conservative you know with how they declare which is which is cool yeah, I've got a uh, I've got a, a, the new Shelby GT500 in the driveway right wow. now, and this is the first uh, this is the first Mustang I've ever driven that really really felt like it really made all the power that was advertised. Like they're saying 770, and this thing goes like a motherfucker. I mean, it really gets the power down. It's fabulous. You know, the way that modern cars put their power down between the tires and the suspension tech that's there today, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, who would have thought, you know, back in the day, you know, it was about how could you put 400 horsepower down? Now we're literally putting three times that down. And in the case of SSC, we're putting, you know, more than four times that down in a rear wheel drive. <laughs> yeah. No, I think some of these um, cars, and I want to talk about SSC in a second, but. You know, if you are prepared to lay down seven figures for the newest in sports car technology, what you are getting is so fucking crazy at this point. I mean, whether it's, you know, a LaFerrari or a Pagani or a Chiron, pick, you know, pick one. Whatever you're getting is so far beyond the realm of your average neurosurgeon. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's an embarrassment of riches. It, it it's really is. so crazy. Cars are so amazing, so well designed, so well engineered. They, they do things unique to themselves. And they're all different. And, you know, it's funny. I remember when I really got into this game. You know, it was post, you know, post post two thousand six. After I had done uh, Glickenhaus's P four five. And like, you know, I, I still have that poster on my office wall, yeah. right next door to the studio. Yeah. You signed very by cool. you from back in the very day. Cool. Yeah, very beautiful car. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where when I really started to spend an appreciable amount of time with these true .001 collectors, you realized it wasn't about which one would they buy. It was just how quickly would they buy all of them? You know, they really treat them like matchbox cars. You know, like, I know. Well, yeah, I have a, a 918 and a LaFerrari and a P1 and I have a Pagani Zonda and I have a Koenigsegg Aguera. And you're just like, oh, my God. You yeah, know, I mean, only people on the, the Internet guy. think you have to choose between one of those. Right. Yeah. The so, actual people writing the check, exactly. they're just exactly. like it's a different world. Yeah. Different world. Yeah. I, there's a guy. There's a guy local to me here, um, and I, I'm not going to say his name, but I know he's he has just the most massive Pagani collection you've ever seen. I mean, he's I, I think he's trying to corner the market. It's <laughs> it's like oh what five's not enough? Oh ten's not enough? You know, that's it's just, just like that's crazy. What do you do, you know? What do you do with ten Pagani? I mean, like. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it's like to have that much money. But like, if I did, I feel like I would explore variety. You know. You know. You know what the funny thing is is that I'm not a collector at all. Uh, you know, and it probably because I, you know, I view myself as a creator, not a collector. And for me, the next best is always the next one. It's the next mm. thing I'm working on. Mm -hmm. So every time I own a car that I really love, 
if I find myself not using it, I ultimately sell it. I, you know, I, I, I'm like, you know, it's being wasted just sitting here. I don't want it to just sit here. It should be yeah. in use. So I, I just don't have that mentality. I appreciate those that do and thank God for them because obviously I, guys like me need them. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a very different mindset. Yeah. Well, Car- look, I- unless you are filthy fucking rich, I mean, really filthy rich, Cars take up space, they take up energy, they yeah. take up mental capacity. You know what I mean? A, a, a collecting cars is, <laughs> They what? They divide homes and marriages. <laughs> yeah. yeah, frequently, all too frequently, although I'm very lucky There's with my wife. Prices. There's yeah. So what is in the Castriota stable right now? Can we talk about that? Uh... <laughs> It's in the Castro stable. So I've got a, uh, a nice company cruiser. I'm waiting for my Mustang Mach-E, so I'm, I'm super psyched about that. Oh, are you going to get down on that? Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, and, and I may have a uh, 599 hidden somewhere. Well, how could you not? So that's interesting because you are the designer of the 599. Yeah. And I once uh, had a nice conversation with Ian Callum, who's a well-known designer, and I asked if he'd ever owned or currently owns anything he's ever designed. And he said no, because when the designs made it past the bean counters and into the showroom, they were never as pure as his drawings, and he didn't really want to get in on it. And yet you own a production car that you designed, so you don't really feel that way, I'm guessing. Well, it may have been tweaked a little bit thereafter. Oh really? Did you did you go yeah. back to your original sketch a little uh, with your custom personal you know, I went car? Back to the spirit of what I wanted for the car. Um, you know, certain things you can never undo because of, uh, to Ian's point, you know, some of the engineering decisions that are made along the way just change the car fundamentally. That you'll never truly capture the first purest form of it. Mm. Uh, but the idea was to pull it more in line with the, you know the overall feel and and philosophy behind it, and so. It's been seen around here and there. You know, it's fairly unique. Cool. I, I don't know if I've seen it, but some, text me a picture. Stay, later. <laughs> text me a picture later. I'm gonna see that. When you're back out here, I'll take I'll take you for a ride. We'll go yeah. What's the uh, What's the ETA on uh, on the Mach E? When are those Are those hitting uh, yeah, dealerships? I, I, uh, our head of engineering was down at the at the plant uh, recently. I, you know, they're they're coming out very soon. I can't disclose a date, but very very soon. So we're excited about it. It's awesome. Yes, awesome Jason uh, is does work for SSC and also for Ford. So he's uh, in so my, my real job is actually Ford Motor now. Uh, you know, my SSC heavy lifting actually stopped right when I went to Ford, uh, which was super convenient. And now it's just been kind of this gestation period of getting them to put all the pieces together to to really make this happen, which is which is incredible. But I, you know, I started with SSC when I when I opened up my own shop in 2009. I met Jared at the Dubai Auto Show in 2009 of all places and then we signed contracts in the spring of 10 and we went immediately to work on the design and we showed the design for the first time the year after in 2011 so you know that that conceptually that design is actually 10 years old yo it shit's been for has it been that long that's crazy it has been forever and oh my god every vaporware comment that you could hear and i've had to defend this project for a decade but you know what it's it's been well worth it because why do you have to defend it you're like oh i just drew the shit i don't i'm not responsible for building it it doesn't make it vaporware or not you draw things for people all the time that don't necessarily get built Yeah, it's more than drawing it on this one you know i I laid out conceptually with jared you know the architecture of the vehicle what it was going to be and and really focused on the aero and the thermal dynamics which is really the secret sauce of, of why it does what it can do and you know, I just have a tremendous amount vested in it. You know, it's also the the trust that Jared gave me. It's also the fact that this is the first car that I ever designed that I actually got to put my name on the side of it. Uh, so it wears my badge on the on the side of the vehicle, uh, on the sailplane in front of the rear wheel. And you know, it's a very seminal moment. So you know, you really feel uh, very much. This is a blank sheet of paper. So back to Ian's comment, this really came out as I envisioned it, and that's yeah. that's special about it yeah so you, so from from that drawing 11 years ago although there may have been some functional tweaks uh along the way you did it, did it did not need to be watered down much no it wasn't watered down at all i mean from the concept model that we showed at pebble beach all those years ago the car dimensionally changed a little bit because mm-hmm. you know, i actually wanted to increase the interior volume a bit i knew you know people just keep getting bigger and we yes. wanted to have <laughs> we are a fat we are a fat culture up. yes and they're yeah, they're following suit <laughs> and tall, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, so our second client is, is six, five, he's a big dude you know, yeah. and to fit in the car comfortably. And he's not even built like a six, five guy. Cause he's got crazy long legs. Like he's almost seven feet. 
So he's all he's all leg and short torso. Oh, he's so, like a like a Brian Scotto. You know Scotto yeah, from Hooning? Yeah, he's like he's he's just, he's the weirdest position sitting in cars. He has to do yeah. these tiny little steering wheels to get between yeah, yeah. His, his legs. His knees are up at his, at his uh, yeah. ears, right? You know, so yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> designing the car around people like that to make sure it can really be comfortable. And then, you know, some of the changes that were made to the power plant and, and how we were going to put the power down, that affected overload dimensions. Millimeter, millimeter to millimeter, the car is actually completely different, but at a glance, it looks identical to the original yeah. beyond the rear end. So the rear end, I opened up the entire rear end to really get the heat flowing out of the vehicle. And we have a lot of unique aerodynamic tricks that, that pull air out of the vehicle and create this super clean wake behind the car, which, again, is part of the reason why the car is so efficient. I mean, the the final product is a, is ultimately what I think is a very attractive car. I mean, I see certain elements that are uh, uh, sort of evocative of other very nice, you know, cars. I see I see traces of, and that may just be be because that's at that at this at this level of performance, that's just what the optimum shape is. You know, so I, I see a hint of Pagani, a hint of La Ferrari, a hint of your back in your Bertone, uh, Manta Day days, a little of that, a little Koenigsegg in there, a little of that crazy Dubai love that you see from that those W Motors psychopaths, and uh, there's some good elements in this thing. Thank you. I, I think when you see it in person in the in the carbon, you'll see it's really its own unique thing, especially when you see it parked next to other cars. It's it's Is very it, unique. Give me a yeah. sense of uh, of size and like if I parked one next to I don't know like a Ferrari four five eight or something like that. So it's essentially the same length. Mm -hmm. So it's a very compact car. It's significantly oh. shorter. Is that a real a photo? Bit, it's a bit wider. Yes. This photo at Willow Springs. That's a weird a real photo. Yep, that gives you a sense of the dimension. Oh, here's a photo of one parked next to a Ferrari F40. And, uh, I mean, if someone that, had to go on the track in those two, that's a good fucking day for somebody. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although that's I'm OG, not... OG and the new G right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's actually, uh, yeah, it's not a very big car at all. It's a, it, no. it photographs bigger than it, lo than it looks when you park it next to an F40. And an F40 is a pretty small car. Yes, it's very dramatic because the, the occupancy cell is really optimized to be as tight as it can without being claustrophobic. Mm. And so there's a tremendous amount of shoulder on the car, and the car just has great stance because the, you know, the body was actually designed around the true wheel position, so we could always maximize the arrow around the vehicle. Uh -huh. And it just has a very unique aesthetic when you see it on the road. It, it's, it's really a spaceship when you see Zach, it. Zach, is there a photo with the doors open? How, how wide is the sill to get in this thing on the side? Is that a it's big climb? not very wide because oh, it, oh, it cuts in. Uh, yep, it cuts in. So oh yeah, is is actually the tub, so it's actually very easy to get in and out of the car. Ingress egress was actually yet another thing that I really had to think through to make sure that this car was really usable. Yeah, what a fabulous thing! So tell us about about uh, give us some some numbers here. And again, this is not going to go up until Monday. So whatever you yeah. whatever's good, give a, give us the goods. All right. So the goods are that I think I can talk about is we have established ourselves as the world's fastest car production car. We bested the existing record by, uh, boy, I want to say almost 50 miles per hour. I'm sorry. What? So, Wait, what? 50? So, <laughs> so we ran we ran a two-way average of 315 miles per hour. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. 315 <laughs> miles an hour? Actually, 315.8, if you want what? to get that. And that's the yeah. two-way average. What's the fat? What's the peak? What was the peak, the peak one way? The peak we were able to achieve, and I'm just going to say that we didn't what? run out of car. We ran out of road. In Pahrump? In the is, world. The world ran out of road. <laughs> we, we ran out of road. We ran out of road. Uh, is 331. Holy shit. Jeez, dude. Oh, my God. 331 miles an hour? That's so crazy. What? And who was who was driving? And the car was still accelerating. Just who, FYI. Who was driving? Oliver Webb. So Oliver is an amazingly talented driver, races in Le Mans, uh, great developmental driver. He developed the back mono. He developed uh, McLaren Senna GTR, uh, has track records all over the place. Uh, just fabulous feel for the vehicle. 331 miles an hour? Yep. That's so crazy. Was that uh, the, the suspension set up the way it would be if you bought one, or would you guys have to Correct. like? No, this is a, so keep in mind, guys, this is a customer car. Wow. This is not a prototype. This is car number one. This car is actually residing in Philadelphia. And That's the worst place on earth to car. drive a car that goes 330 miles an hour. Well, I can't think of a really worse quickly. city to own a car like that. 
client has plenty of track time and track toys, so he'll 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 use it the right way. I promise you that. Dude, that what, is that's so bananas. That's it's so bananas. fucking crazy. And and when you see the when you see the data logger, you're gonna it's gonna blow your mind. You're Did gonna you, be far away. Did you know when you were doing modeling and stuff for this that it would go that fast? Or, or when it went that Actually, fast, like, as a designer, did you just lose your mind like a kid? So, so the answer, the two answers to that question. So, yes, mathematically, we actually did know it would go even faster than that. The question was, could we actually make it happen? Because it's not, at that point, it's not even about the math anymore. It's about the three factors you can't control. So, one is Mother Nature, yeah. because crosswinds will kill you, quite literally. Yeah. Number two is, do you have enough road to get up? Not to get up to speed, but it's actually getting back down is the hard part. No shit. So this car accelerates so fast, it's it's not the problem of getting up there. The problem is you need two, two and a half times the amount of distance to, to slow the car down. Because as the driver said, as Ali said, you can't actually press on the brakes at that speed. You that isn't just, surprising at all. In fact, I would, I'd would i probably guess that you can't even lift yeah. quickly. You have to Correct. slowly back off the Correct. throttle. Because if you imagine, exactly. imagine upsetting yeah. that balance. Oh my God. But imagine how slowly hour. you have to lift your foot. And yeah. every second you're traveling however many thousands of feet. <laughs> so, so let, me give you, let me give you the math. Okay. So at 60 miles an hour, we'll level set. At 60 miles an hour, you're traveling 80 feet per second. Uh huh. At 330 miles per hour, you're traveling almost 500 feet a second. You're traveling 480 feet per second. So basically, if you looked at Giant Stadium, you are at the tunnel at one end of Giant Stadium behind the end zone all the way to the other tunnel you're traveling that in one second that's I mean, fucking it's, crazy it's literally the same speed as a handgun bullet like that's how fast he was going ten, and, a mile in 10 seconds yeah 10 seconds so, <laughs> so, that. Yeah. so basically you're so, talking about nature what, you're talking about the space and then you're talking about the courage of the driver and nature was against us i'm not gonna lie we actually had really bad crosswinds that day and we only did two actual runs we did one warm-up run and he did two runs and then that was it because the car had more, but he's like, that's it. I'm done. He, he got moved two meters on two, on his two high speed runs. Literally the mm. earth, the, the wind picked him up and moved him an entire lane. That's None fucking sketchy. We've seen that road. It's two lanes with no shoulder. Yeah. So there's no I have been there. on that road a bunch. It's yeah. that, the no road between Pahrump and Vegas, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. is so crazy. Now, okay, what the engine is built is by Nelson, right? Tom Nelson, yep. He built a hell of a power plant, you know, together with Jared. You know, they developed, uh, you know, they went to go as, as compact as they could, a high revving engine. It's, you know, it's a flat frame crank. So for a turbo engine, it sounds absolutely fantastic. <clears throat> and it actually has an 8,800 RPM red line, which I'll also note, we were nowhere near that day. So uh, is it, lots, lots it, of where that came from. Is it? ls based or is it a totally no. unique design it's actually not and that's you know that's a common thought i mean obviously you know tom nelson only based on, on his expertise not because yeah. of anything yeah. i'm guessing it's, about ssc it's really tom nelson's expertise so it's really what tom brought to the table and, and just delivered an amazing power plant and you know i think you saw the stats it only weighs 428 pounds i mean the car is exceptionally light we're at like 2750 dry weight with 1750 horsepower if we've got you know good pressure as you can imagine, there in Nevada, because of the elevation, we were actually down two bar. So we were down about 150 horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And what is the displacement of the engine? 5.9. And is it, I don't want to, is, is it like a cam and block or is it an overhead overhead cam engine? No, it's a overhead. It's an overhead cam engine. Okay. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. That's so crazy now tell me about the the rear end of this thing with these very cool kind of bat wings versus a more traditional style you know like a gt style wing or something so the, the really you know the whole inspiration for the car was to really tap into the aerospace heritage of of the north of the northwest you know jared and sst are based two hours inland uh from boeing and all these amazing aerospace suppliers and in fact a lot of the aerospace suppliers are our suppliers where the tub is being built where the body panels are built uh, where all the great aluminum work is being done, et cetera. So we really wanted to capture, you know, how do you really redefine a hypercar for America with a brand that, you know, didn't have really considerable history. You know, when, when Jared built his first car, you know, he just wanted an exotic wedge shape, which was very in vogue, you know, at the time, kind of his poster car. And, yeah. you know, it's certainly reminiscent of a Lambo of that day and age. And this was really about, you know, creating something that was very pure and very purposeful. So it wasn't styled, it was really designed. I mean, everything about it is really about moving air 
around the car and through the car. And again, that's really where this car differs. You know, most cars are styled in the sense that, you know, you create a beautiful shape and, you know, as you know, hyper cars all have great proportions. So as you said, you know, when you're looking at it, you're going, oh, I see a little this and I see a little that. But when you see it in person, you're going to see your eye is going to flow exactly the way air flows through the car and around the car. Because getting air in and out of the car, you know, the thermal dynamics of the car, keeping that laminate airflow around the car, no spillage coming out of the car, that's what makes this car so fast. You know, it's ultimately the advantage that this car has over other vehicles because of the way we laid out the architecture, because we focused first on actually laying out the radiators around the passengers and the drivetrain, and then all the ducting. And then the shape, which conceptually I had in my head, that was actually the, the quote unquote, the afterthought of, okay, now let's shroud this as efficiently as possible to again, optimize all of the thermal dynamics that we have to deal with that are gonna ensure we have the aerodynamics and the heat management down, because that's the fear at those speeds, the amount of power you're generating you know, if you have that much power, you've got tons of heat. If you have tons of heat, you have a lot of radiators, you have a lot of fluid, you have extra weight. It's this domino effect that just continues to cascade across the project, which then compromises the vehicle. So this ground up approach of inside out is really what makes this a very uncompromised vehicle, which is why it's still comfortable for people, but it has this extreme envelope of performance that people haven't seen before. When you hear, you know, Bugatti going through their marketing shtick for the Chiron or or really more with the Veyron back in the day, and it was, well, at 250 or whatever, you go through your fuel in seven minutes, but it doesn't matter because your tires are melting four, you know, yeah. all, that, all that kind of shtick. Um, do you guys have some kind of very special tire setup? I could read Michelin on one of the photos, but is there no, is there a special no. tire? <laughs> I can't lie. I mean, the, the magic in the setup is is really how the car puts the power down. Uh, but in in the respect that, you know, the Bugattis, and all the Bugattis are amazing vehicles. You know, I mean, these things are engineered to the highest level, over-engineered. You know, they go through all the battery of crazy tests that Volkswagen puts everything through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their their level of desire to build robustness, comfort, luxury, and speed, and, 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 you know, really makes it a unique special car. But as I said, those things kind of end up stacking up and you get a car which then becomes bigger, heavier, et cetera. Yeah. You know, our, our goal was to create something very different, you know, so they're really not even comparable and we fully expect, and I can already tell you, multiple of our customers already have both or they have Bugattis and now they're ordering an SSC is the fact that, which goes back to our earlier conversation, they can have everything. The, the fact is, is this was really about creating something very visceral, very dynamic, very exciting, that's truly memorable every time you drive it, that it becomes special again. You know, I, that, I think yeah, t- today's hypercars are all really competent and they're great, but I don't know if they leave you gasping like, you know, when we were younger and, and the first really fast cars left this impression on us that, you know, really hasn't been replaced since. Uh, yeah, that... That wasn't really what I was asking, and I don't think I worded it right. What I really meant was, what about the SSC's design had to be really, really reinforced and thought out to handle the forces at 300-plus miles an hour? So, okay, so to answer that more accurately... Or is the answer that because this car is so light, it doesn't have a lot of those other issues that you'd have with a Veyron, which is quite heavy? It, correct. It's, it's okay. part lightweight. It's part uh, the manner in which the engine is mounted. So Tom Nelson has some secret sauce in his engine mounts that allow us to, you know, have so much power but not, you know, destabilize the car mm. uh, while it's banging through the gears. Uh, it's very much the rear suspension setup. You know, Jared did a tremendous amount of work in the Ultimate Arrow in terms of the ride, the quality of, of that car. And people are actually always shocked when they actually drive that car, how good it really is. You ever uh, drive one of those? Did you have a go, point. Jason, in Ultimate Arrow? Yes, I have. Yep. Did you Did you like how it drove? It's It really shocked me because honestly, I you know, again, I came in with, I'm not going to lie, I came in with low expectations. I, you know, I didn't know much about Jared when I met him. I didn't know much about the Ultimate Arrow. I'd seen the little, uh, back in the day, I think it was Autoblog or somebody broke the news that, you know, this small company out of Washington State had bested Bugatti's record and ran 257 miles an hour and it did a 254 two-way. And it was like, wow, okay, well, you know, it looks, you know, kind of like, you know, a little bit not all the way baked, so to speak, and, and, and <laughs> yeah. our power. And, uh, you know, I mean, to Jared's credit, you know, he he did, that was his first car he ever tried to design. And I think he did a pretty bang up job if you think about wow. it. Wow. It looks uh, better than you know, Christian's first Koenigsegg. 
Which, I, if you've ever seen the first ever yeah. Koenigsegg, it looks like a melted yeah. alien. <laughs> Whatever. The XX. What's, what's I mean, the called? the little prototype he made before yeah. there was even yeah, a production car. He made a yeah. really bizarre looking prototype, yeah. uh, and it was it it was uglier than the Ultimate Arrow. I'll give. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> listen, the Ultimate Arrow has tremendous presence. It holds its own, and it's fast. It is it is really fast, and it's still a stick car. Which is also really cool, you know. Yeah. Um, so, in fact, the, the owner of the black, uh, the record car, the one you were showing before, the uh, black and red Totara, he owns an old, a white Ultimate Arrow. So he oh, is really? like the old SSC customer. Oh, he's an SSC enthusiast he for really sure. Is. Yeah, I'm you'd have to be. You'd have to be. So, uh, the gearbox in Totara is a dual yeah. clutch. What are we working with? No, here? it's not a single clutch. And that's so that's another place where I'd say a tremendous amount of work was done. So the partner for that is Chima out of Modena. And they did a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, that gearbox handles so much power that when they started with this, and they've done gearbox for other hypercar manufacturers who shall remain nameless. I think I can with, guess the other one, and it sounds they, like Blonigzig. <laughs> <laughs> they, they started with the most robust gearbox they had made. Shima started with the most robust hypercar gearbox design they had, and our engine blew that to bits. So they started with, they then moved on to a helicopter gearbox. Which is the quite fuck cool. out of here, really? No, I'm, I'm not kidding. He went to a helicopter gearbox. What? Dude, yeah. I didn't. I didn't I know. Mean, it. I, I didn't know helicopters, helicopters had just, gearboxes. Yeah, just, yeah evidently. <laughs> so really? they based it off of some of the some of the the proven robustness of both parts, and then designed a ground up gearbox for us. So pretty pretty okay. wild stuff, actually. So uh, it, when you are uh, you know when you're driving it uh, slowly. Uh, and not, you know, you know, because because people, you know, that are spending this kind of money, you know, I think the customer and I'm just maybe speculating. I think they expect a certain amount of civility, even if you can go 300 miles an hour. Oh, ab absolutely. And, and the comfort of the vehicle had to be key. It has to be usable, livable, you know, for that occasional grocery run or blasting your kids somewhere quickly or, you know, just because. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you ask these guys, you know, why do you park your you know, F12 Berlinetta at the, at the uh, train station because I can, you know, it's, it's a bit of that. So you have to have that drivability and that's credit again to Chima and then the tuning partner, which is Automac. They're also based out of Modena, Italy. Um, those are the two main parts beyond obviously uh, tires that come from uh, and, and Brembo brakes that come from Europe. Everything else in the, in the vehicle is really made in the U S uh, which is, which is pretty special from the tub to the engine to the glass. Uh, you know, obviously it's manufactured all here. Uh, so we're, we're pretty prideful about that. What um, are there some are there any uh, specific like details to the car that just, I mean, obviously beyond the incredible performance that are just like super over the top. And like I'm thinking uh, an example I'm thinking about would be, you know, Pagani putting their name on all the bolts. You know what I mean? Is there anything like that that's just real crazy detail that we should be like kind of looking at in these photos? You know, I, I think this car is more about its overall purity. I think when people see it and they see the the purity and the simplicity of how it's been designed and built and, you know, the authenticity of everything about the car, nothing is there for style's sake. I think that's really the big difference because even in the hypercar space, you do get a lot of ornamentation. You get a lot of stuff there because it looks cool. Uh -huh. uh, everything from the exterior and certainly in the chassis and the engine bay you know, that is all there because it has to be there. Every curve has been shaped because it has to be shaped that way, not just because I wanted it to look that way. And I think that's what makes, again, this vehicle really unique. It's it's as pure as it gets in terms of what its purpose is, and that's why it was able to do what it did. Does that enormous power number, the 1750 number, is that like an E85 uh, tune? Yes, it is, right? That's E85. We're at like 1350 on pump, and then if you have a blend, you actually end up right in the, somewhere in the middle, depending yeah. on the mixture. So. Yeah, we just uh, we just filmed the tuner car shootout uh, that we're doing uh, with Auto Tempest, our partner for YouTube, and like anything that's up over like 700 horsepower now is really running E85, and uh, it's it's an amazing fuel. But goddamn, oh, you go through cool. it quickly. Yeah. How fast yeah, do you yeah. drain a tank at 300 miles an hour of E85? <laughs> I mean, you must it must be like 60 seconds or something. You know, I don't know. I, I actually I didn't ask. I'll have to, I'll have to look at the at the data on that. I didn't actually ask. Um, I know we were running it with about three quarters of a tank uh -huh. um, on the runs. So uh, obviously it's getting down there. It's getting down there pretty quick. I think we were ending up with like a quarter of a tank. So, you know, probably yeah, I mean, you can probably just watch the needle go down at mm -hmm. that yeah. at that speed. Yeah, you're, you're so... literally watching the slopes. You're watching, you know, the, the speed needle go up and the gas needle go down at, at literally the same exact rate. 
Wow, we're just looking at a picture of the engine right now. Those intake manifolds are gorgeous. Yeah, so there's there's also a really trick proprietary uh, intercooler setup that sits right under that, and that's another uh, trick part of, of the engine that Tom developed for us. Uh, it's and it's just beautiful, and you can see the you know the push rod uh, suspension that that gives you again that that ability for the car to really bite. You know, it, it gives you that that bite yeah, what is, is really incredible. What is- we're looking at a, a shock absorber that's mounted, yeah. looks like right, you know, uh, centrally uh, in the down the right. center of the car between the engine and, and I don't know, the rear subframe or something. What is that shock absorber yes. there? Yeah, so that's that's hooked up to two push rods off of the uh, off the suspension arms. And so that aids in, you know, the, the, car, the car's ability to actually really dig and bite and get traction. So, you know, that way you, you remove axle hop, essentially. Yeah. It's part of the trick, you know, again, you asked before about what are the really special qualities in terms of the robustness or things we had to do that were maybe a bit different. Uh, that That's one of them. If you uh, if you were to, like, disable, I assume this vehicle has some kind of uh, uh, motorsport-based traction and stability control, right? Yes. Because everyone, otherwise, every single one of these would end up in a fucking tree. <laughs> but um, if, you, if you were to disable that system and say roll into it in third gear and go flat would you be able to just do burnouts through like 150 miles an hour oh the car the car will spin its tire through like fifth that's the, yeah that's really and, what no, that's we, really what we want for this kind of money that's with, that's with the goal traction. no but with traction control oh really and, it's just it's oh, like yeah, yeah. traction control is a suggestion at that point it, it's really it's i call it like a stop sign in italy it's really a suggestion like, wow, uh, we're looking at a photo right now of what looks like the rear subframe and like the yeah. engine cradle. Gorgeous. And it's the the headers are so tight up against the engine. It's mm-hmm. really very compact and it just goes straight into that turbo. How yeah, interesting. It, what, what was so great was yeah, it's it's Tom's uh, what he calls his mirror turbo setup. And yeah. what's so great about the work they did on the engine. You know, when we started this project, Jared wanted to base it off of, you know, what he had done with the Ultimate Arrow, which I, I think they were up over seven liters at that point, or right around seven. I think they were at six nine. And, you know, thanks to, you know, the great work between the intercoolers and the mirror turbos, they were really able to shrink this engine down, which then again made my life better because for me, it was really, again, about getting air through the car, getting all that hot air out of the car. So the rear radiator setup and the ducting that comes off of that to feed the air intake, to feed the radiators, to exhaust the radiators is super critical to the aerodynamic and thermodynamic performance of the car. So like an F1 car, you know, the smaller you get that engine, the more you know, more real estate you have to play with actually moving air because it's really about moving air through this thing. That's that's yeah. really special. What is the service life of an engine like this? Can you, can so, you, does this have normal service intervals? It does actually. So we are actually so confident and this is again, all the credit to Jared and Tom, you know, we're giving a four year unlimited mile warranty on the powertrain. Unlimited miles, a good one. It sounds great. You're pretty sounds much great. calling everyone's bluff. Yes. Like I fucking dare you to take advantage of this unlimited twelve thousand miles a year. Didn't yeah. Ferrari do it for a minute? I think they still do. do they still seven do year, it. Seven year unlimited mile. I think Ferrari is seven year unlimited mile warranty. I think they're. I think they're calling every one of their really? customers bluff. Yeah, and and consequently, there's if you're willing to 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 be a boss and go buy a brand new Ferrari and put yeah. all the miles on it, it's actually a really really good value for money. Because mm-hmm. there's because if you sell it within the warranty period, even with a bunch of miles, you get a ton yeah. of money back. It actually would call you can win this one. <laughs> but unlimited <laughs> miles, good for you. I like it. I like the confidence. No, I hope that I hope Philly guy takes advantage of that shit. I hope he's like he watch this. He, oh, he, so the first thing he did, so he bought his he bought his Ultimate Arrow secondhand. He always wanted it. He bought it. The first thing he did is he took it to Cape Canaveral to go two fifty. Did he? He, he? He's our kind of guy. I mean, that's, you know, and he's, he's a Corsa Cliente guy also. So he has, he has some serious kit, you know, this guy. Yeah. But like, I'm going to buy this car and I'm going to rent a runway and let, here we go. That sounds, that's a great weekend. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I like that guy. No, Larry, Larry's awesome. He's just the best dude. How do you think the Tuatara would do on, you know, like a circuit of the Americas or a Nürburgring? Is it, are we talking about a total package here? Or are we talking about yeah. outright top speed and that's really where it's at? No, no, no. It's, it's a total package. So the car has active aero, 
Um, so, you know, if you put, if you keep it in what would be kind of the high downforce mode, and you guys actually had a picture of that earlier where the rear wing is just flipped upwards. Yeah. Uh, you, get, you get downforce that's commensurate with any hypercar today. You know, let's say non-winged hypercar, i.e. Right. a Ferrari, P1s, uh, you know, uh, 918s, things in that ilk. Now, if you're talking McLaren Senna level of downforce, we actually have a high downforce kit for the car that some people are optioning the car with, and that has that center level of downforce. So if you really want to go and break a track record, that's the way to go. But this car will be, uh, it will be very, very fast on a track. You know, Is just, that high downforce kit just like big wing, big splitter, big front lip kind of okay. deal? It's a completely different aero package, yeah. So it's a whole new front splitter, uh, dive planes, a different side rocker, a different rear diffuser that's longer uh, and thinned, and a fixed rear wing instead of the active rear wing. And uh. so it's... Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty tasty, and it's it's real fast. It's real. And fast. I, how does it does the? Um, I wonder. I mean, how much do you think that the 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 high downforce kit affects your top speed? Do you think it'll still do over three with the high downforce? I, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about that the other day. Uh, I believe we'd actually still hit three with it. Um, I think the issue that we would actually have at that point at three hundred will be the tires because, you know, at that point you have the weight of the vehicle plus you have the downforce of the vehicle, mm-hmm. and that's going to increase increase the amount of pressure on the tires tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, I think there's no real track that you could ever hit 300 on, you know, a proper track. Uh, but this, this thing accelerates so fast. I mean, we're, we're, you guys probably saw the Stradman video, right? Um, I mean, I don't know if anybody extrapolated, and that was a roll-on on a dirty track. Uh, you know, there's ash covered. It was in Oregon where the fires were. And, you know, roll-on, Jared did 242 in about a half a mile in about 20 seconds. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's beyond ridiculous. And that wasn't even really fast. So some of the numbers that will come out soon that Ollie pulled are even, even crazier than that. So, I mean, just as a, as, it's a, as a, as a base comparison, it's probably not the same thing, but like two weeks ago we were doing this, uh, the, our tuner car shootout deal in Florida. And I don't want to say exactly where or when, but I, there's a company called Calvo Motorsports. You ever hear of these guys? I've heard of them. Yeah. They do twin turbo Vipers. Yes. And these guys brought out an ACR with 2,000 horsepower. Okay, it was a nine-liter V10 with twin 76s on it, and it had a it had a no-lift shift sequential. I don't remember wow. if it was a Hollinger, but it was a a, a, sequ- a proper race sequential, right? Wow. And it would shoot fire, whatever. And you go out on the highway, you're uh, allegedly or the runway or whatever, and you would just oh, is this the one against the 720? He's got a video up. Here's this thing against the 720. So you yeah. know how fast the 720 yeah. is, and this thing is like, goodbye, wow. goodbye. Yeah. So we were doing 60 to 190s, yeah. and and you you couldn't you, – your eyeballs are in the back of your head. I've never been so scared. I can't imagine just people being able to buy this like and just have it. It's just – when yeah. you get that fast, it's just so, so crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, I mean, do, What we, do you have to pull- tell these customers? You have to be like, do you understand what you're buying – like oh, there's there's a you know there's fine print there that <laughs> <laughs> you must be aware of what this is and you know I, I listen I'm not gonna lie I mean the, you know the, the first the first thing I said to Oliver after congratulating him and and you know giving him a you know a proper a proper hug was I am so glad I didn't kill you, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, yeah. Just, it's just I mean yeah. this is Chuck it's really Chuck Yeager stuff I mean it's the right stuff it's you're talking about putting a guy in a projectile and going. Just go as fast as you can, you know, yeah. and the courage that he showed and, and the feel. I mean, at that speed, you realize, like, you're not actually steering the car because there's a gyroscopic effect that happens on the front wheels. Uh-huh. And essentially, to correct the car, you're just, like, squeezing. You're almost milking a cow. You're just literally squeezing which side of the steering wheel you're trying to kind of course correct. You can't – if you even tried to steer the car, you'd immediately throw it off. So you remember, yeah. like, tops when you're a kid, like, you spin a top. Like that's literally what will happen because the gyroscopic effect, the car will literally just go. That's it. You're done. So, I mean, he, he Oliver literally said, I, I hope no one actually tries to break this. He, he said, it's not even that. He's like, he's like, I'm not going again. And he's like, I, I really hope no one else tries to break this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, J- Jason, it's for you, as, as a car designer, when you came into this industry, I mean, this seems like bucket list stuff. Like not only have you, because de- oh, yeah. I mean, you've designed some really, 
amazing, so, gorgeous performance cars. But this is like yeah, he never Everest. had to design the new fucking Jetta, did you? You really, <laughs> yeah. you really bypassed the. I'm going to design the new Chevy Cobalt this year. <laughs> you know, I, you know, a lot of people used to say I had my dessert before my meal because you know I went, I went straight to Pininfarina and I lived the charmed life, right? I mean. I, from the time I was five, I was literally sketching Ferraris. And I said, you know, one day I'm going to go to Italy and design Ferraris. And everybody was like, yeah, yeah, sure, kid. Uh, and then when I was 13 and the F40 came out, that was really the seminal moment for me that cemented it. You know, when I re remember that road and track cover in 1987. Oh, yeah. I've got it. it. I've got it in the library over here. Yeah. He had an Enzo Ferrari quote of, I told my engineers to make the best car in the world. And it was the F40 and it was 201 miles per hour. I get chills thinking about it, to be honest with you. I really do. And that was the car that I said, not only am I going to go and design Ferraris, I'm going to go and design the fastest car in the world because it, it just meant something to me. It resonated. And so, you know, did the Pininfarina thing, check. Tried to help out Bertone. You know, that didn't work as I wanted to, check, but I did it. Uh, Saab was an amazing opportunity. Unfortunately, they never had the runway. Uh, that would have been my Jetta moment at oh, the time. Oh, yeah, the Saab. Uh, I forgot Phoenix. about that. The Phoenix yeah, thing. Yeah. Which was also an aero, uh, aero baby of mine because that we had a two five drag on that car. It was it had some really trick stuff. But again, we was never, there ever we, a working concept car? Yeah, yeah, that was a functional driving concept prototype that was actually oh, built man. on a new platform. It had a torque vectoring hybrid system. It was super advanced. We had a Google Android touchscreen before anybody. I mean, we were on the right track. It's just unfortunately, you know, the company just didn't have the funds to get there. And oh, that's was, a bummer. It, yeah, we got a picture of that thing. How cool! What a bummer. Yeah. So, you know, and that, you know, again, this was really just ended up being, a you know, another research project for me in terms of aerodynamics and pushing the limits in that space. Uh, you know, it was very controversial when it came out, but it did what it was supposed to do. It shifted the conversation from, you know, when I first went to Saab, people said to me, wow, Saab, that's that's really risky. You know, why, why would you do that? And then after this car came out, it was like, wow, what does this mean about Saab? So it really shifted the combo, which is what we wanted, but it, it just didn't buy us enough time. If uh, um, if Geely was there at the time, you could have been Polestar a couple of years before Polestar. I know, right? You know, it's all time. It's they're all doing time. a nice job. Have you seen Polestar one in person? Oh. It's fucking badass, man. Yeah, it looks no, great. Thomas, uh, their lead is uh, he's actually designer slash CEO. He's he's a great guy, very talented. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I I think Volvo's done a fantastic job of the way they've they've built that brand over the past few years. Uh, you know. The SSC, when when Jared, as I mentioned, you, you know, when we met in Dubai in 09 and I saw the ultimate arrow and I, you know, I saw the speed and I saw the potential, I said, OK, you know, this is a, this is another kind of big stakes bet. Right. You know, put the chips in the middle of the table, you know, attach my name to this, you know, bring everything, all my know how my team, you know, guys with you know, a tremendous amount of know how in, in design, aerodynamics, other. And, you know, let's make a go at this. And we really believed always we could get there. Um, the math said we could get there. We really approached this in a unique way. And, you know, then it was just the waiting game. You know, it was just kind of the longest pregnancy ever, this this 10 year period. Uh, but, you know, it was worth it because, you know, all the extra testing that Jared did and the amount of miles that Jared has at, you know, 250 miles an hour. You know, I, I don't know if many people can can rival, you know, what he's done, you know, in cars in terms of actually personally driving cars that fast. Uh, you know, other than, you know, maybe, you know, the test drivers at Bugatti like Loris and, you know, yeah. Andy. Wallace and these kind of guys, but um, really incredible, you know, the, the tenacity that I think the whole team had to see this through all the way to the end. And, you know, I didn't answer your, your earlier question, but yes, when we broke the record, I was jumping around like a little kid. Like I, it was <laughs> when you see when and when you guys see the data log, when we released that, you know, I, I, I ask everybody to go back and watch the data logs of the last two crazy runs by other companies and watch the speed from 250 up and then watch ours from 250 to 330. And you're just going to be both way. <laughs> how fast it does it. It's, it's not even that it does it. It's that it's still going. And Oliver actually lifted because he thought that, you know, the speedo was actually stuck. So the speedo didn't look like it was still going, but he said that the car was still accelerating, but I lifted crazy. and he didn't, you know, there was just more there. So it's just, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, maybe some nutter will take it out at the Bonneville Salt Flats. and Yeah, well, know, I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking Bonneville. That would be awesome. That would yeah. be so cool. You got sick, I dude. I did 210 in a fucking Jetta there. You can do this. Wow. You're good. You're golden. Remember, um, who was it? Um, uh, Lucy, right, that crashed his Enzo, and then oh, yeah. he had it built as a Bonneville Salt Flat car, and he yeah. ran like a a 220 or 230 something like that yeah but it was uh, really just a stock enzo but with like yeah. uh with like, do, like dog dish wheels on it right yeah i think he did something to the motor did he i, I want to 
contribute something. I don't know if to double check, but but I mean that that'd just be cool if if one of our you know listen some of these guys are totally but bonkers nuts in the right way. Um, if they want to go to Bonneville and, and go try to run a, a massive number over three thirty, I'm, I'm all for it. How many of these things do you think you guys can build? So we're planning to build 100 total cars over uh-huh. the entire life of the Twitara, but only 50 will be the coupe form. And then which in the coupe form, you have the two flavors I talked about earlier. So you have the world record flavor, which is the car you see there, the black and red car uh, that's capable of the 330 plus miles per hour. And then you'll have a high downforce car, which uh, the first one of those gets delivered next year, uh, probably late spring, early summer. And that's definitely a car that you'll see. SSC will take that out to a couple tracks. We'll, we'll probably try to grab Ollie again, throw him in there, and see if he can go beat a couple records somewhere else. Force him back in the car. Like, yeah. I don't want to yeah. go. So you well, said, you know, a, but I mean, you said a hundred cars, and uh, but the rest will be what? Spiders, Targas? Is that how that works? It'll be, yeah, there'll be a couple other variants down the line that uh-huh. we haven't uh, disclosed at this point. But yeah, you, you can do you can do the simple math of, of how that's all going to work out. Yeah, yeah. There's, the crossover there's, 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 Safari hey, build. There's, there's a, yeah, a pretty firm playbook, uh, you know, how to do this the right way. Um, you know, again, I, Matt, you, you know this, right? I mean, for every hypercar company, whether it's a Pagani, a Koenigsegg, a Bugatti, or, you know, even when Ferrari and others do these limited cars, you know, uh, in a lot of cases, you know, if you're, if you're doing something super limited, like 100 units of something, it's not even 100 guys that are buying it because it's it's a handful of guys that are buying yeah. every flavor. But, yeah. You know, I walk into these collections and guys have the entire Bugatti fan. You know, there's like seven, eight Bugattis all lined up, you know, fanned out in the middle of a room. It's amazing. And you go, wow, you know, you, you can only hope and dream that, you know, you're in that that same kind of space one day. Yeah, but it's I think that's it, it's strange and it's it's weird, but I get it. I don't know what it's like to have that much money, but uh, but I know what it's like to be such a fan of something. I mean, the closest I can get is like watches. You know what I mean? I've got like a small number of watches that are like a couple of thousand dollars each. And a lot of them are kind of interchangeable with each other. You know, they're from the same brand or whatever it's, sure. but, but I, it's, it's so weird that a company could, that, that you could go through all this R and D, all this effort, all this energy and design and development, all that only to, to ultimately satisfy, you know, 30 customers, you know, isn't that crazy? It's just, to me, it's just it's like a crazy, crazy thought, right? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, it serves the industry and the world, and and the mere existence of a car that can go this fast, it it does sort of bring a greater good, right? Like space travel or what the fuck ever, it moves the bar. I, you know, I, I think that it's it's an inspiring thing when you see. I think especially in our case, you know, it's a David versus Goliath. You know, we're we're a much smaller entity. You know, we don't have uh, you know massive resources of a, a major OEM behind us. So uh, to go out and and really you know, create that kind of art and science and, and do something really special like this and, and put a little footnote in the history book for however long that stands, uh, you know, is, is, it's tremendous. You know, it's, it's yeah. really tremendous. Hopefully, you know, it'll be for me what, you know, I mean, my son just turned 14 a little while ago. So he's literally the same age I was when I saw the F40, you know, for him, you know, he wasn't there in the first, you know, 10 years of my career, you know, he was, he was so small, he didn't know what I was doing or even cared uh, at that, at that point, you know, if I'm, you know, drawing cars all day, he didn't even know what that meant. Uh, so for him now, you know, and his friends, you know, seeing something like this, you know, maybe it'll make them think of, of something really cool that they can do. And just in terms of pursuing their dreams and what they they want to achieve in this world. So mm-hmm. if it has that effect, then it's it's done its job. Right. You know, I mean, my, my favorite moment as a car designer was still in 05 when I was at Geneva Auto Show. I got to actually unveil the birdcage. Uh, Andrea Pininfarina let myself and the project manager uh, unveil the birdcage. And. You know, I got to stand there and, and it wasn't just the press days that were cool. I actually stayed for the first public day because I wanted to see the kids come and see the car. And because when I was a little kid, my dad used to take me to the New York Auto Show. I just remember being in awe of these concept cars. And so yeah. see, the, see the faces of the little kids and go, yeah, maybe one of these little kids will someday be here, you know, showing her or his concept car, you know, or new production car or new Jetta for that matter. You know, yeah. so that's. You know that's what it's all about for me. I, you know, that's that's really where the real enjoyment comes in, and seeing the the reaction and the enjoyment. Hearing you guys earlier when I told you the speeds, like, you know, that that's that's what it makes it all worthwhile. Because you know, you know this, you put everything into this stuff. This is yeah. this is, you know, this is when, and this is why, why I mentioned earlier. You know, this is ten years that I've been, you know, six, you know, six seven years on it full time, and then obviously the last few years I've just been kind of cheering from the side and learning about the updates 
uh, you know, as my life kind of, you know, changed and, and at that point my work was done, it was really about Jared testing and executing at that point, all the things that we had already proved out, you know, in data and in math and, and in design. So, uh, you know, this moment was just, just so special, you know? Yeah. Well, that, it's just, it's insane to hear those numbers. Three, I mean, a three fifteen two way average is insanity. Yeah. Um, it's over 500 kph, which which was our goal because 500 kph is kind of the magic number, right, for a European manufacturer, and that's about 311. So our goal was to do over 500 kph, and you know we did. We had <laughs> we had seven mi- up to seven mile an hour crosswinds that day. You know, had yeah. we had a day where it was like two three miles an hour, a little more road. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And how are, how much is this thing? Like two million bucks? So, so it's around one seven five base, and then with options, you know, most customers are putting in a quarter of a million to options. So it's about two, which what, actually like is very what, what are the price. options? Just colors and bare well, carbon and stuff. You can line the, the interior with a Ferrari. Is a big ticket <laughs> item, um, and then yeah, you can do any kind of paint, any kind of striping, any kind of. Uh, interior materials you want, uh, you know. There's, there's also some, some custom, other custom things we can do. So yeah, it's fucking yeah. Well, those it's thirty people are gonna buy all four variants, and you'll have you know, some very, very, very emphatic collectors. Can I drive it? Can I drive one, please? What do I have to do to drive one? The I'll, I'll get you behind the wheel one, please. I'd really love. I don't need to go three hundred, but I'd really like to see yeah, well, what that well, is like. We'll get you behind the wheel one. I will. I could for that. I will come to you if you need. Very no cool. problem. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't I get don't on a know. plane for many cars these days. But I'll fucking fly basically anywhere to drive that. It's stunning looking too. I don't, I don't know if Larry is going to let you drive his, but uh, I have another customer who's a buddy of mine. I, I, you know, I could probably, I could probably twist his arm to let you take it, take it out a little bit. No press yeah. fleet cars. Yeah, there's not. So there's not going to be an LA fleet. <laughs> no, no hurts. No hurts no version. Uh, no rental. No LA rental car. It's super crazy, dude. No but it's and it's a, it's gorgeous looking, man. We can't make the press car faster. That's why we can't have a press car. Yeah, right. Because you can't <laughs> juice it enough. <laughs> That's super sick, man. You're the shit. Uh, what if, what? The, I want to finish this out with just one little thing. You know, you. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have a job that when I was younger. Uh, I was reading that same road and track that you were reading, and yep. uh, you were wanting to design that car, and I was wanting to be the guy who wrote that test. You know what there I mean? We are. And and I I don't I don't really know how I ended up there, but I ultimately did get to be the guy who you know I just went to Willow Springs and tested the new Lamborghini for road and track. Like that's the that's fucking cool. gig, you know? So cool. um, like. The question is, if someone's reading your, hearing this podcast and they go, fuck, here's a dude who, who had a vision and figured out how to execute it, and maybe I want to draw cars too, like where, mm-hmm. where do you even start? So, you know, first off, you have to not listen to anybody who tells you not to do it. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, when I first told my parents this is what I wanted to do, they, they had the kind of, oh, my God, you're going to be a starving artist reaction. Um, you know, You've got to push past that. There's going to be a lot of people who tell you along the way you can't do it. Uh, but beyond that, you know, obviously started a great, great automotive design school. You know, to get into these schools today, the beauty is because of the Internet, there's so many great tutorials on how to draw, how to paint, how to model. Um, you can pick up very cheap CAD modeling programs, very cheap uh, design programs. A lot of them have student licenses where you can actually get them for free. Mm-hmm. Literally the same programs we use professionally that cost Fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollars. You can actually get access to you know kind of simplified version of these. So I would recommend you know doing your homework there. And if you're really passionate, you've, you've got to stick with it. Uh, you know, I went to the Art Center College of Design. It's you know I still con- consider it the best automotive design school. But obviously, there's many others that are great, like CCS in Detroit and Forzheim in Germany, and uh, you know many many others. There's Coventry and the RCA in the UK. Uh, you know, Asia has tons of great schools now. So there's actually no shortage of good design schools anymore. Um, I think if you really want to be successful, you still need to position yourself like in any profession, one of the, the more recognized ones, because it's just a better platform. Right? Yeah. You know, you want to be exposed to other professionals who either teach at the school and or come through the school on a, you know, a weekly or monthly basis looking for talent, yeah. uh, because that's ultimately how you get discovered. I mean, that's how it yeah. worked for me. When at I a went certain to our level, school, you got to have you got to be physically there where the people are. Yeah. Like the Internet helps, but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't get you all the way there. 
It does. And you know, that's actually a really good point because I've met so many kids or younger, you know, younger people who have said to me, oh, you know, I have a design website and I post things and, you know, I'm talking with this guy or I'm talking with this company. And a lot of these guys and, and young women get taken advantage of because, mm-hmm. you know, they really don't understand their worth. So, yeah, I sold my sketches for, you know, 500 bucks. That's yeah. Like, oh. I was like, how many hours did you put for those sketches? Oh, I worked on them for a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the problem. I like, yeah. like, go get a good education, get in front of the right people, and and apply for a job and, and try to get a job in this industry. But you know, granted, it's it's an exceptionally selective industry. It's it's exclusive. It's very difficult to get into to begin with. And then I'm not gonna lie, it's it's not all glamour, right? I mean, I've le- I've led the charmed life of it. Um, you know, there's a lot of door handle and wheel design there too. You know, there we've talked to those that, folks. Yeah, we talk to people who design radio bezels and door handles yeah. and shift yeah. knobs. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. It's, it's all vitally important. It all, t- yeah. you know, the car always say takes a village, right? I mean, it takes a tremendous amount of people to do something. If you're fortunate, it's it's kind of the combination of having the talent, having the worth ethic, then being at the right place at the right time with the right opportunity. Because right. you can listen. There's plenty of talented designers that I worked with at Pininfarina. But in that moment, when they put a sketch on the wall, it just wasn't the one that got chosen. Yeah. And it's really about, you know, is, is what your vision and what you're communicating visually and in a story really compelling to the person that's buying the idea? And that, that's ultimately all it comes down to. So yeah, there, is a, there is a large component of chance as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I, I you know, you're uh, you're someone that I, I hold up as an example to anyone who asks me about car design. Um, you know, partially because your designs are very influential in the sports and supercar world, and and partially because I I know you, you know, as a person, and that you're like a nice, humble guy who's who's really got a wide variety of, of interests and talents. Um, uh, um, but I, I just I think this is a it's an amazing project with SSC. The cars fucking nuts i mean it's not it looks really good it goes really fast it seems like you've already found some customers i imagine once uh the news of this number drops you'll certainly find some more um and it's we just definitely, we're definitely anticipating that i'm, I'm excited yeah. to see what that looks like when the news really breaks I mean, yeah that's the, crazy you know, we've been showing the car for a while as you know and we've heard for the longest time and and listen i think a lot of these guys you can hold to their word they've said okay if it breaks the record, when it breaks the record, I'll buy the car. So now it's time for those guys to step <laughs> no up. No pressure. Yeah. That's, yeah, no pressure. Yeah, there wasn't too much riding on that after 10 years and, you know, all the money and time and hours spent by everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you could have been, you could have ended up in XJ220 land. You know what oh I mean? There's and, no- you know, amazing car, but imagine, you know, m- missing the mark in these moments. It, yeah. It would have been huge in the wrong yeah. way. You know, yeah. this is... Doing what we exactly what we set out to do. I thought we'd do it a little differently. I, I really thought with the winds we wouldn't hit 330. I thought we could do 325 with the winds. Um, I thought we would do like a 310 and a 325 or something like that. I knew we'd be in that kind of 315 two way um, because of the winds. If we had no wind, we would have been we would have even faster two way. Uh, but yeah. it, just, it just wasn't safe enough uh, to try again. And, and Oliver, you, in, the, think, in the course of that data, have you run standing mile or standing half mile in this car? I just want I'm curious to if this I bet you this is like a 210 to 20 half mile car right oh no 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 we do two we do 250 and a half mile standing <laughs> half mile this is a 250 <laughs> car 250. get the fuck yeah. out of here bro no, no, we, shift sectors next weekend at koalinga let's go bro let's win some money oh my god forget this we could run ten thousand a race dude you and i could clean up let's go yeah it's matt it's super fast i don't i, I like it's here, here's I think, and you'll you'll appreciate this. Two fifty I mean, standing half miles. Bro. I guess I'm laughing just because Jason was like, "Oh no, no, no." <laughs> you'll appreciate this if you plot a regression curve, right, of all the fastest cars since you know, literally since let's let's say the Ferrari three forty MM, which uh-huh. did, was the first car that hit one hundred and seventy. Okay, you plot that curve all the way through. You know, go up through the you know the Mira into the Countach. DB512 into the, you know, the 288, the F40, the Jag, the EB110, the McLaren F1, et cetera, et cetera, all the way through Bugatti, what Bugatti uh-huh. just did. It's a curve. It's actually a singular slope, okay? You can, it's a, literally, it's a 5 to 7% improvement every time. Okay. What we did is over a 20% improvement. It's a new curve. It's not even on the same curve anymore. 
And that that's what's so crazy about it, because it's like I said, when you see the data log and you see it's not just that it gets there, how fast from 250 to 300, because he does not put his foot in it until two and a quarter. So like he's kind of, you'll see in the video, he kind of drives out, he does about 150 and then he holds and then he does about 190 and he holds and then he kind of crosses 200 and he holds a little bit. And then at about 225, all of a sudden you see he's got his foot in it. And 225 to 300 is like this. And That's then- That's so like, crazy. Oh my God. And then everybody starts freaking out because then it's like, it's not like 300, 301, it's like, 300, 305, 310, 315, 315, bunker. It's like, and you, it's, it's bunker. Like it, it makes my head, like my hair's steady up and I'm laughing because it's so crazy when you see this video. Like it is so crazy. I can't wait, dude. This is bananas. I can't w